Good morning. It's good to see you today. Well, we're starting uh, our, our new uh, series for October. We really started it last week um, with our guest missionaries that were with us and continuing it on this idea of mission critical. And I want to ask a question, what are the mission critical components to Christianity? What is so important? What has God given us? What has Jesus spoken to us that is so critical that without it, literally, we will fail? And I want to begin with the idea of the mission that he has given us. And I want to take you back a little bit. I want to take you back to May 25th, 1961. Then President John F. Kennedy announced to Congress that we had a goal that we were going to pursue as a nation. That by the end of that decade, we would put a man successfully on the moon and we would bring that man back alive. Now, I want you to understand that what would become the Apollo mission, they would have to be in space for a total of more than eight days. And at that time, when Kennedy made that statement, the grand total of the amount of time that, the, the, that NASA had been able to put a person in orbit was a grand combined total of 15 minutes. Kennedy went on to link this goal to the battle between freedom and tyranny in our world. Kennedy asked the question, are we working on this goal 24 hours a day, seven days a week? And if not, why not? And that's, that, that, that declaration to Congress literally captured the attention of America. And, and children began to think about being an astronaut. And our country became focused on this incredible goal. It became all-consuming for NASA. It became all-consuming for the Secretary of Defense. It became all-consuming for our government. So let me ask you this question. What is God's all-consuming mission? What is his mission? You see, in God's wisdom, he knew that his creation would fall. He knew that Adam would sin. He knew that he needed a plan of salvation. And that plan is evident throughout scriptures. As we look at it, a thousand years before Jesus came, the prophet Samuel said in 2 Samuel, he said that, that literally that, that God was going to set up on his throne the Messiah forever and ever. His kingdom would never end. He said that through Abraham's family, the earth would be blessed Isaiah said that the virgin would be with child and would call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The prophet Hosea said the Messiah would end up in Egypt. The prophet Micah said that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Psalms said that he will teach in Proverbs. Isaiah said, or excuse me, parables. Uh, 
Isaiah said that his ministry will begin in Galilee. And in Revelation chapter 13, the second part of verse 8, John the apostle said this. He referred to Jesus as the Lamb of God slain from the creation of the world. The question is, why would God put so much effort into one person? Why would he weave like a thread through history so much? 400 prophecies about one individual, one person. And the answer is because this is God's mission. His mission is the salvation of mankind. John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, one of the most uh, well-known verses in all of Scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's God's mission. Kennedy said in 1961, he said, if we don't do this, tyranny wins. Tyranny wins. Have you ever wondered why the U.S. took on the Apollo project? Have you ever thought about that before? I came across a memo from 1961 written to then Vice President L.B. Johnson, Lyndon Johnson, and it gave the four reasons for the Apollo mission. And the first one was this, gaining scientific knowledge. Oh, that's pretty good. The next was commercial and civilian value. All right, they've got a, I, I, I get it. Another was military, uh, uh, a recon military value. I understand that. The third one was the chief, or the fourth one was the chief reason. Chiefly, national prestige. Do you know what they wanted to do? They wanted to beat Russia. That's exactly what they wanted to do. They wanted to beat Russia. They did it to prove that we're better than them. So why did God do what he did? Why did God set his mission as the salvation of mankind? He did it because if we don't do this, man will go to hell. Man will go to hell. He literally links the eternal destination of the soul of man between heaven and hell to this mission. He said in 2 Peter 3, 9, through Peter, that he doesn't want anyone to perish, but that everyone would come to repentance. And through Jesus in Luke 19, verse 10, it says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The mission for the church could not be clearer. The mission is to reach the lost. That's it. But then there's the mandate. Jesus appeared nine times in 40 days after his resurrection to his followers. Nine times in 40 days. In Mark, uh, we read, let me, before I get to that, let me say this, that during that, that, those nine appearances, after the ninth one was when he ascended into heaven. And he repeated himself on that final day, that 40th day, he repeated himself three times, and for the past three years, he's been laying out this mission. So let's look at the mandate that he gives during those nine appearances. Number one is to go. He said, I want you to go. The word go, to travel, to journey, to go, 
I, I got to do that Friday and Saturday. I, I took a trip uh, to the west of here about three hours and had a great time doing it, had a lot of fun doing it. But the word go that we look at here also means die. I have no desire to do that. The word go in this instance, it l- refers to die. Mark 16, 15, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And, and it's linked to their death. Scripture tells us that Jesus says in Matthew 16, 24, earlier in his ministry, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Going requires dying if only to self. And so this is part of this mission that we're sent on. It's leaving our comfort zone. It's going to places that we've never gone before so that we can take the name of Jesus Christ. I think it's interesting that Jesus spoke at this time to only the 11 remaining disciples. And history tells us that 10 of those 11 gave their lives as martyrs for the cause of Christ. Now, I don't believe that Right now, Jesus is calling us to literally give our lives as a martyr for the gospel. But in order to go the way he's calling us to go, we must die to self, die to our own comfort. Number two, he tells us to make disciples. Matthew chapter 28, 19 and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples. There's that word go again, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. The mandate is that we should be eyewitnesses, that we should teach, that we should instruct, that we should create new followers in Jesus Christ in the process of our going. And number three, he said, I want you to go to the ends of the earth. Acts chapter one, verse eight. But you will receive power. This is Jesus talking when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem was no problem. That was the center of Jewish tradition. That's where the temple was. That's where we want to be. Judea, not that big of a problem. They're to our south, but those are really our people, okay? Those are our, those are, to us, that would be the other youpers, okay? They're other youpers. Those are my people. I'm all right with that. But then he talked about Samaria. Samaria was to the north. And Samaritans were Jews that had intermarried with the Assyrians during one of the exiles. And so they had a real problem. In fact, Jews did not want to walk through Samaria. They, wa- they would do everything they could to walk around it because they despised it. And then to, to the ends of the earth... Referring to Gentiles, it's not an easy mandate. This is going to take something on our part. In 1961, in that memo from NASA and the Department of Defense, they said, you know what? The objectives of going to the moon and back, it's got a lot of implications. And you know what? It's going to cost us a lot of money. And we're going to have to work really hard for a long time. And you know, as I close this morning, I want you to know that that mission of the Apollo, it was successful. We all know that. We've seen that in our lifetime. We've seen it on video. Some of us might have even watched it on our televisions live. 
But did you realize that that mission took eight years to complete? And not only that, but Kennedy died six years earlier. So he wasn't even there to push the mission. Astronauts Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin were the first astronauts to walk on the moon. That phrase, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind, came as they stepped out of their craft and onto the surface of the moon. It was the realization of a national mandate. Now, I'm not comparing the Apollo mission with the mission that Jesus gave us. Not really. I'm just using it as an example this morning. You know, the Apostle John in the book of Revelation received a revelation from God about what this mission would look like when it's complete. Here in America, when, when the Apollo flight came home and everyone cheered, we did it. The vision that John received in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, it said, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. This is a vision of the completion of that mission and that mandate that Christ has given to us as his church. And let me tell you something. It is going to cost. And it's going to take a lot of work. And we're going to have to work at it for a long time. And just the way Kennedy said, my question to us as the church is this. Are we working on this 24 hours a day, seven days a week? And if not, why not? You say, how could we do that? You know, we send missionaries all over the world and the sun never sets on the influence and the impact of a church just like Silver Creek Church. We're carrying out that mission. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you that you have called us, you have given us a mission to take the gospel into all the world. And Father, I thank you that you have challenged our hearts in doing so. And God, I pray that, that this will not be something that leaves our mind, but that it will be something that we think about. How are we reaching the world with the message of Jesus Christ? Father, I pray that you will raise us up as a church that reaches across the world. Lord, you may not have called us to go from this country to that country, but God, you've called us to equip others who are called to go. You've, you have called us to partner with them and to send them that the gospel might reach those other nations. Father, I thank you for that privilege of being called. And I thank you that we can partner with others to bring about the mission of taking Jesus to the lost world. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Look at your watch. It's a little bit early. All right. You've got time to go and get coffee and some cookies. 
and we are going to gather back in here. I hope you'll all come back. Uh, those of you that are members, uh, there's a place for you to be able to uh, sign in, and, uh, and we're going to be dealing with the offer that we've received. So God bless you. Thank you for being here today. We will see you back here in a little bit. And our second service, because uh, there will be people coming in for that as well, that will start at about 11.15. Thank you. Grab something to eat. Let's have a great day. Amen.